Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is the Roundtable Show. We record this every Friday at 8.30 a.m. I've already got my panelists worried about what the hell I'm going to say, but don't <laughs> worry, panelists. Uh, um, this is episode 467. I've got a great panel. I've got some decent stories, I think. I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves. Vito, yes. Vito, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Vito. I'm the founder of WP Feedback, and yeah, which is a communication platform for WordPress professionals. We just launched something awesome on Monday, so come check out wpfeedback.co. I got my great co-host for my first day show, the man of reason, good looks, and intelligence. I got Adrian. Adrian, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. My name is Adrian. I am the CEO and founder of Groundhog. We produce and sell marketing automation plugins for WordPress. There we go. And I've got Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, certainly, my name is Sally Getch. I am the WP fangirl and the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California. And I've got Uncle Former, Uncle Spencer. <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourself? And what's next, Uncle Fester? There was yes. some Freudian thing going on there that hopefully uh, doesn't come back. Yes, I am Jonathan's Uncle Forum from uh, America, and uh, otherwise known as Spencer Foreman from LaunchFlows.com. There we go. All right, on to, um, let's talk about my major sponsor first, Kinsta. Kinsta Hosting. Um, what can I say about Kinsta? Um, they've been hosting the WP Tonic website for almost three years now. They've been a major host of the podcast for three years. But why should you care? Um, basically, if you're looking for really quality hosting for yourself or for your clients, you should look at Kinsta. Basically, they've got all the bells and whistles. They host all their websites on Google Cloud, some of the best hosting infrastructure on the market at the present moment. Their team is superb. You get superb 24-7 support and an interface that's really easy but powerful to use. Basically, whenever I log in to a client who's not hosting with Kinsta and I have to use their interface, I just think to myself, I'm so pleased that I'm hosting with Kinsta. So um, you get used to really the best rather very quickly. And I would be upset if I had to move from Kinsta to somewhere else. So if that sounds interesting for yourself or for your clients, Go over to kinsta.com, look at their packages, buy one of their packages, and also tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show. So um, let's get on with the stories. Uh, um, number one, join the future WordPress themed conversion themes review team to hold um, bi-weekly discussions. That sounds a bit too democratic for WordPress to me. Uh, Vito, what did you think of this one? Um, I think that anything that uh, allows people to kind of join together and uh, help support this thing is awesome. Uh, but <laughs> uh, themes are kind of like uh, out of it. Uh, so like... Um, I, I, I see this kind of a, a becoming a discussion that maybe will become more about what's the future of themes. And that's a discussion that I would be very much happy to be part of. Oh, well, very democratic. 
Um, Adrian, what did you think of this, Adrian? It's the, it seems like we're going in the same conversation kind of over and over again with like, are themes going away? Are they not going away? What's yeah. going to happen to them? And I think whatever Spencer's going to say is going to sum it up quite nicely. <laughs> you can see me chomping at the bit, right? <laughs> right. Well, let's leave, let's leave the, roll, the drum road. Let's go to Sally next. Sally, what did, what did you think of? Well, they've uh, they've now had the first uh, uh, the first meeting, and it, it's you know substantially members of the uh, core design editor and and theme review teams, plus you know anybody else who was interested enough to join, which might have been me if I hadn't been asleep all week. Um, and uh, they're kind of talking about this. So, well, how how is this actually going to work if we're doing the Gutenberg all the things? And, uh, you know, we've got these ideas about uh, creating block-based themes and, um, you know, you see that there are some, some people sort of objecting to the, to the concept and thinking, oh, you know, this is just going to lead us to um, GeoCities and, and other people basically saying that, well, you've got things like, you know, Beaver Themer that, that you know, are already doing this sort of thing really well and... Uh, <clears throat> But basically, if, if you kind of come back uh, and uh, say, you know, at, at this point, they're basically saying, well, we have more questions than a- answers at, at this point. Um, but people are already trying to uh, create block-based themes, uh, you know, according to such guidance as there is. Um, it says, takeaway number three, end users will likely be able to set global styles from the WordPress admin, uh, which would be kind of nice because most things I've seen that let you adjust styles on stuff it's on a like element by element basis so it's like okay i want to have uh buttons that are this color on my beaver builder site and every freaking button i make i have to go set those things um and maybe i'm just not experienced enough with things like beaver builder and, and elementor which i've only used a little bit since i'm now like all gutenberg all the time uh but uh you know, it is definitely, uh, you know, the, the, the theme world is going to change dramatically. And if you are a theme developer, you really sort of need to think about, well, then what is what is it that I'm producing? And is it going to be something of sufficient value that, that I can make money from it? Yeah. What do you reckon, Spencer? <sighs> I have to breathe. The thing is, I'm not like, I don't care, like breathe like I'm losing my breath, but breathe like, oh, bother that we're even going through this. Um, what's that Japanese word? But like when you, you know, pantomime, we're going through this pantomime. Oh, yeah. of, but there's a word I'm looking for pretending this means anything or will ever amount to anything. A charade, maybe, is a better yeah. word. It's just such a waste of time. Just like all the, unfortunately, you know, Rachel Cherry's effort and, you know, I, I'll let Morton speak for himself if you ever see him again. Like all their efforts to fix what's wrong with accessibility and so forth, the charade is too much to take. So I just look at this and I chuckle. Here's why. Look at Elementor. Four million users. It went from zero to hundreds to hundreds of thousands to a million to two million to three to four. Like, boom. Why? Because everybody who participated had a financial incentive to make it succeed. Guess what's missing here? None of the parties have any financial stake whatsoever in Gutenberg succeeding. 
They're just a bunch of people hanging out with the dreams of the 60s about wearing tie-dyes and eating granola and smoking pot. <laughs> and that's the fact. Until Automatic gets serious about saying, hey, we're going to compete with a product like Elementor. And we're going to actually put people on this that have a financial reason to win or make it open to outside people who have a financial reason not to be beholden to some otherwise well-intentioned but douchebag who is going to be on some review theme somewhere like Wikipedia, who I'm going to spend all my days and weeks only to have some wanky person reject my work. This could never work, ever. It only works when people can control their own financial destiny or they're given a set of environmental rules that is fair, not subject to the whims of some mysterious person in the background pulling the strings. So this thing is just stupid beyond not, belief. Not mentioning any names. Not, not saying name, <coughs> but in this particular case, I'm simply saying it's a waste of time anyway. Why? Because we do not need Gutenberg anymore. We just need WordPress to be an engine and pour one of the other theme builders on top of it or page builders and done. We don't need it natively from WordPress. We just need WordPress to have the page where you can put your other stuff into and get on with that. Thank you. Thank you for your time, everybody. I got to go now. <laughs> get off my lawn. <laughs> right. Anybody want to respond to that? Do you want to respond to that, Sally? I, no, well, I, I really like Gutenberg and, and I find it easier to, to work with than I do uh, hey, Beaver Builder. Um, and but you know, I think that for now at least, people can choose. You know, do they like working with it? Do they not like working with it? Um, you know, whether or not we um, need it, uh, according to uh, you know Spencer or anyone else, because Spencer is, is hardly alone in in those sentiments. Uh, we are getting it. Uh, so uh, you know, finding finding ways to make it work for you. Uh, so that, uh, you know, it's part of my financial incentive as an <clears throat> independent, uh, you know, developer of, of websites for clients. Um, is Classic editor important. had 17,880 downloads yesterday. Sure, because things are incomplete and, and some stuff uh, doesn't work that well. And, of course, if you've got a I'm shed saying- load of content... Uh, but, you know, these days, of course, Gutenberg is in every single WordPress site unless they haven't updated from 3.9. Yeah. I mean, it's an, it, I, I, wouldn't hold, uh, I wouldn't hold you or anybody else, like, to, to defend why they use it. But given that it's a completely unfinished product at this stage and everybody else is, like, going to the moon and beyond with their products, it's like, who's going to do the work to get their rocket ship off the ground? It's never going to happen. They're still futzing around about people like, is this an Envato theme from 1997 or something that, like, I'm trying to adapt to WordPress? And that mindset won't work when you're in a competitive space where, for God's sake, have you seen the team? Go over to Elementor's, like, team page. There's, like, 50 freaking people who are all, like, Rock in the world with four million customers. How are you going to compete with that? With like, hey guys, let's more than one hundred now already, huh? More than a hundred. Exactly. It's like, hey guys, let's get together on Thursday and we'll, we'll order some pizza and talk about Gutenberg editor and stuff like that. For fuck's sake, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold back, Spence. Tell us how you really feel. You know, I, I realize on this show, there's like the two, there's the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde Spence. There's some days where I come and I'm like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. There's other days 
when I see this, and listen, Justin, at least because I do think Justin is awesome, at least yeah. Justin is bringing in a topic, <laughs> an infomercial. So I like the article topic. Yeah. But when he brings up the topic, this raises the same kind of WordPress organizational thing that we talk about so many times, but just it's a different flavor. Like, why is this even allowed to be a conversation? Why doesn't somebody grab the bull by the horns and at the top down say, we're putting a million bucks of Automatic's money towards building a competitor to Elementor? Done. And hire like 10 really freaking awesome people from right here in the community to just do that. And then everybody would want to buy it because they know, hey, I can invest in this, build. My- I, I, su- I suppose the, the, the appropriate uh, uh, method of this would be to hire them all away from uh, Beaver Builder and Elementor. And nobody would leave because the other ones are winners and this one is like. I don't know. Uh, depends, uh, on, depends on the salary. I've got to say, I said this uh, over a year ago and it's, it's in one of the shows. I never understood why they just didn't buy Beaver Builder. Um, at, you know, it needs some improvement by the team and get on with it. I actually, I actually totally agree with you, Spencer. I think the present situation is atrocious. It's a total, it's a total mess, but it will sort itself out when it's Spencer, but it is a mess. I agree with you. Because it wouldn't live on its own, like using build. I'm not picking on Beaver Builder, but like of the three builders, it's Elementor Divi. Beaver Builder, and then whatever, Thrive and all the legacy visual builder, bakery, stuff like that. If you were Gutenberg in the real world, not propped up by being installed in everybody's site, it wouldn't live. It'd be dead. It was over by now. No, I really no, like no. Breezley, but the thing is, when you, when, when you got a team of 100 people at Alameda, it's a little bit hard to, but I, I think they've done a reasonable job. But they weren't 100 people. There were three when they started. Right. Yeah. Right. And it, the reason it grew is because they made it possible for outside people and developers to make all their add-ons. And that's what essentially made it work. Well, Just, well there's nothing that stops outside people from making add-ons. There's already some, some you commercial Gutenberg yes, add-on plugins. No, that's my whole point. You cannot get somebody to invest in building shit for your initial plugin unless they have confidence that it's A, working, B, going to be there, C, that people give a shit to respond and you know, work with you to make it happen. Trying to communicate through a firewall of working with somebody else's code when they aren't responsive because, hey, dude, I'm just like doing this for fun is not the same thing. It's like an Elementor. I could get on the There's phone guy, yeah, with sweet. Elementor and talk to the founders, literally like, hey, this is what I need. And they responded. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. All right. I get it. On to story two. On to story two. Um, if I can see story two. Got my... Um, my mouse is playing up. That's my excuse. Ultimate email marketing benchmarks for 2020 by industry and day. And this um, came from Campaign Monitor. What did you think of this one, Adrian? Well, as the resident kind of like email marketer, lots of very, very, very good insights in this article. And uh, for anybody who's watching the show or listening, you should absolutely click the link in the show notes and go read it. Because if you're sending email, then then there's some excellent insights to be found here. Uh, one of the most interesting things that kind of the info points out is that government agencies dominated in terms of engagement from users. And I... I don't really, I don't even know, I don't receive much email from the government except like my bill for hydro, <laughs> which is, I assume, why they're getting a lot of email open rates. Because if you're getting an email from the government, you're like, oh, shit, better open that. You know, it's probably, I have the money or something or they're going to come after me. You're Canadian. 
<laughs> Do, does, does government send a lot of email in the States? Oh, Lord, I get emails from the assembly member and from the senator and from the, like, God only knows, right? The From from the people in the, in the state government, from the people in the federal government, uh, you know, telling us basically, like, what an awesome job they're doing or they're having some kind of uh, office hours meeting or... Uh, and, and you know, frankly, yeah, I, that, I mostly yeah, don't that, open them, but... Um, you must, but that's not from the real, real government, is it? That's from political parties. Well, I'm assuming those well, are bundled people, in with it's, these it's stats. It's from here. the people who are actually in office. Um, I don't get anybody from Nevada emailing me from the government. Uh, maybe, the, uh, it's, maybe it's California. Yeah, my, the, my the kind of general consensus of the article, though, is uh, for anybody who's been like on the whole like email marketing is dead train, and like you have to invest in like Facebook chatbots and all of that nonsense and whatnot. Uh, the overall metrics for email marketing in pretty much every industry approved acro- improved across the board, except for in like a couple industries. Um, but mo- most of everybody's open rates went up, uh, click through rates went up uh, between 2018 and 2019. So if uh, you are currently in business and you're not doing email marketing and it's because you think that it doesn't work, then you may want to take a look at this article and and reconsider that notion that email marketing is a non-performer. More often than not, the reason for your email marketing strategy non-performing is because you need a different strategy. (laughs) True. What did you reckon about this article, Vito? Um, I love this article and I love all these kind of benchmark stuff that where that I can get my hands off just to kind of understand the uh, s- uh, stuff that are happening in the in uh, in industry. And it comes from um, it comes from kind of campaign monitor and they, yeah, so you, uh, I think it might have some useful information yeah, on the subject. You know, they just see a little from bit the, of data from the background. Yeah, um, but what I would uh, I would kind of like enforce what Adrian was saying in, in terms of um, uh, the use of email. Um, I love using email. It's one of our biggest uh, marketing channels and um, uh, not only to my own mailing list, but partnering up with other uh, products and other kind of companies uh, to um, send an email about what we're doing because that just gets the best ROI compared to anything else that we tried over there. And it's free. It's amazing. It can get to hundreds of thousands of people for free. Uh, as opposed to uh, to uh, a one dollar click on Facebook, um, so, I think uh, I think the other factor, Vito, is um, I was listening to some other podcasts a couple months ago, and um, I can't remember which one, but they pointed out they classified it as one of the three pillars that's not controlled by the yes. large by Google by Facebook. It is woven it's, into the yeah. fabric of the of the open internet. You know, yeah. it's one of the... That's nice. That's- you know, content marketing, email marketing, and I forgot what the third pillar was. That's not controlled by Facebook or Google to some... Well, yeah. you know, content marketing is, you know, um, but it's well, one of the few ways that you don't have to give them money, put it that way, directly. It's, it's uh, you have a lot more security by choosing email marketing as a, as a channel. Like, Freedom. Everybody well, remembers, like, when Facebook, you know, the whole chatbot thing, they like closed people being able to do, create chatbots for a while and everybody like had invested a serious amount of money uh, into that channel. And then that kind of just like went out the drain temporarily for a few months until they like sorted that whole fiasco out. So 
email email marketing and uh, is just one of like the email marketing and SMS are kind of like two unrestricted and secure channels that you will for always be able to use in order to communicate with your list effectively. You cannot rely on, you know, Facebook is like a global superpower pretty much at this point. Uh, but all they have to do is change policy and they do not owe their customers anything. And they've proven that in the past with some of their policy changes. But if you're like, to- if you're like all in on chatbots and Facebook ads and kind of like you're, you're doing that whole thing, there's very little actual security that you have in choosing that as your main social channel platform. I would say that I, don't, I think that if you ask uh, entrepreneurs uh, all over the world, um, like successful entrepreneurs, what is their first thing that they would do when they start a new business is open a mailing list. Bill, That's the first Money's thing. in the list, man. Yeah. Money's, in, money's the list. in the list. Money's in the list. That's a, we, been, like a, if you're a marketer, you've been pumped to this kind of sentence uh, for, uh, for a decade, right, Agent? So like this is kind of in our consciousness already. You can't think of it in any other way. But I do know, you know, being a, a, from the agency days that a lot of clients have that exact notion in mind or a lot of people have, business owners have the exact notion in mind that it, it's dead and uh, I don't want to receive emails so I'm not going to send out uh, emails to all of them or even if they did nurture a list for years and build something uh, like a, a really solid kind of ga- gathered uh, a pool of uh, potential customer or existing customer, they don't reach back to them because they're afraid that they will unsubscribe. Uh, that's the, so I, I'll never talk to them because I'm afraid that they don't want to hear from me. And so I just don't talk to them at all. I'm never going to try. Uh, and uh, I saw this a lot with charities. Charities do like one to two mail outs a year and they each have uh, lists of hundreds of thousands of people that can be generating money all the time. So we like- Charities and non-profits came in second by profits, the way, yeah. for, yeah, uh, for open, open rate. Yes. Uh, and the open rate is in the charity sector is incredible because people are not, they, they don't feel like you're selling to them. You're feeling, they're feeling like you're helping someone else and they're there to help you instead of you're helping them. So there's, there a is phrase, a, uh, there's a phrase, marketers ruin everything. And I think email marketing got a bad rap from a lot of marketers for <laughs> in 2019 and in 2018, simply because they were like, it was their their email marketing strategy left something to be desired, and they experienced really really terrible results because everybody said it was super easy, and you know money like just send out an email and it's you know that easy and money 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 and and it got and it tanked for a lot of people simply because they didn't have the the marketing know how or the backbone yeah. strategy and really to support being able to work a list and 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 create an engagement. Yes, well the the, the problem is with anything that gets pitched as a, a get rich quick. Yeah. scheme, right? Because there really aren't any, you know. No, yeah, it's not about that. Yeah, it's not about that. You build a relationship with these people and you build this thing. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to nurture a proper list over time. Uh, nothing is easy. Nothing worthwhile is easy, I would say. Uh, but I do know that everything that is, um, a, that a, every time that we send an email, we make money. Uh, that's, that is a sentence that a lot of marketers in the space or around the world can say. Every time I send an email, I'm going to make money. It's just uh, um, a very easy kind of uh, uh, thing to see there. So, so the What's fact not that we're sending more emails, it doesn't really mean that we're making less money. We're just making more money. Uh, uh, yeah, over it is, time. Um, 
I'm going to put it over to uh, Spencer because you, you've just got a little bit of experience with email marketing, haven't you, Spencer? I think it was one of your major tools when you're running your training companies. Um, I, I, I really appreciate this as a factual resource. Undeniably, the data is useful, right? So that, uh, absolutely. Where I think, I don't really differ in my opinions than what's been said, but I have a different spin on it is that everything comes down to the comparison between doing business and dating, all right? Relationships with people are relationships with people. The thing that I see about email today is that it has become the noisiest of all the channels, right? If I look in my mailbox, my, that thing outside my house, there's like one thing in there maybe once a week now, whereas it used to be packed with all kinds of spammy stuff. Now my email box has 100 million spammy things. So in terms of how it's used, where I tell people to use email effectively is you now have a beautiful facility where your business operates. Think of it like a giant spot, spotty health club. You want everybody to just know where is the address of that health club and come back to that in the internet world, right? Your domain name. Email should not be the place where you try to give them the experience of what it's like to be in your health club. Email should be used very selectively to go, uh, Vito, we haven't seen you in six days and the, the girls are asking for you over at the, at the health club. That's what email should do, because when people see that... Uh, message, can I just interrupt, Vito? Do you get those type of messages from six girls saying that they, they're missing you? Whatever. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't. Missing, you at, missing you at the... He wouldn't admit it in public. His wife would <laughs> It was directly to spam. <laughs> Whatever the case may be, the point is that the messages themselves really deserve the most attention because we all know that you could see the title. You have to be able to write an effective title that's either not too spammy, but also gets attention. But when you open that up, absolutely. You are out of your freaking mind in 2020. If you have more than like one or two sentences to a stranger. And if you do limit yourself to that, it's incredibly effective. Vito haven't seen you click here. This is important takes you back to the website and they recognize your brand and your domain. That's the reminder value. But if you're trying to send like, I'm going to send you a drip course with 65 lessons all contained in email. Good luck that a person won't feel this enormous stress. I have a hundred thousand emails and I got to go find your freaking lesson number two buried inside of something a week ago. And I mean, just the, the ridiculous. So when people ask me building a membership site, what should I do with their CRM? I'm like, use it as a notification system to get people back to the site because when they're on the site, you have the second benefit, which is now you can track everything they see, everything they do to minutia of detail and store it on their person, which is what you can then craft their journey from. Whereas if you're in email, God knows when they're opening it or how they're opening it. You can know it's maybe clicked or looked at, but you have no idea what they're doing with it. So that's what I love about this. Clearly email is one channel to get attention but don't do it for anything more than you would do if you're sending like a quick text message. Like, hey, Adrian, go do this thing. Boom. Not, not an encyclopedia. It's, I, uh, I, I want to I jump in because I want to build on what Spencer says. And I, I, I think I, Spencer brings up a really good point that email is extremely effective when you're, when you're using it to continue a conversation, not necessarily start a new conversation. Uh, so when you're using it, uh, for example, in Groundhog, 
you build funnels and funnels generally start from some sort of interaction on the site. And then we use the email marketing component of that to just have them continue their process through the funnel, like a continued conversation over time. And that's when we see the, the it become most effective. The open rates for those notifications that continue the conversation are generally higher than when we just send out broadcast emails to the list. But that kind of stuff, the, the outside notification, I think, still has their place. It's so popular. <laughs> they still, they're still useful in order to let people know about possibly new features or new product lines. Uh, and if they're not, if, if you need to have a way to jumpstart that conversation, if you have a stale conversation, so say they visited your website maybe three months ago, and they haven't had any, they decided to drop the conversation at that point, your funnel ends, whatever, it's timed out. There's still a place to say, hey, listen, I'm going to send out a broadcast. Like, we have this new product that you may be interested. Click here to go see the product. That kind of stuff still has its place. On top of that, uh, we found that, well, not that we found that, but HubSpot released an article many, many moons ago. And it talks about the differences between kind of which, which emails perform better. So there's kind of like three types of emails. There's really, really styled, pretty landing page type emails, which everybody loves to send because everybody is a designer and is super creative. Uh, and then there's the, the two other types of emails, hybrid emails and plain text emails, which are kind of like just your like, what Spencer was describing, four or five lines of text at most, one link to go to a place. And it's very, written very personally. Overall, the landing page newsletter type emails uh, had... 20% less engagement overall than their other counterparts, than the, the email Spencer was describing that was just plain text, very few lines written very personally. Uh, I only send out plain text emails at most a couple sentences ever. And we experience ex- great engagement by doing that kind of marketing uh, because it's more personal. Email is about having conversations. When someone receives an email, they expect it to be personalized to exactly them and to their preferences and whatnot. Uh, and if they're just if you're just sending them a landing page in their inbox, that's what your website is for. Your website is for the landing page. You can send them an email that starts a conversation to send them to the landing page that is on your website, but don't drop the landing page in their inbox. So that's kind of like the difference. Outbound email still ha- definitely has its place. It's just the kind of email that you need to be sending. Not la- don't don't put landing pages in the inbox. I agree with uh, with the uh, uh, fancy HTML kind of bits. Uh, just that's kind of not uh, not the game when we're trying to build a relationship, like uh, uh, the guys are saying here. I don't agree with uh, with the length of it as a as a rule. You know, like. Uh, um, I'm a huge advocate for, uh, you know, for direct response kind of marketing, which means like you get like r- long sales letters, if you will, uh, that explains the benefits and explains what's going on, the David Ogilvy kind of method. Um, but the cool thing about emails, and we've been using that a lot through our launch strategies and all of these kind of stuff, is uh, the ability to frame things a little differently, uh, saying the same thing from a different angle and with a different kind of... Uh, um, uh, if, uh, like scannable frame to it so that you can reach as many people and get everyone to act. Some will like to read that and that will create a lot more rapport with the person that is sending the email. Like you guys are saying, if it has that signature at the end that it seems like a genuine email, um, if you're talking honestly and you're open about what are these kind of things, and then there is the time where you are ready to uh, get them to push play which is where you put like those uh, type of notification type style email. That's how we kind of using it. So I don't mind writing uh, like 
a thousand words into an email because uh, I see that people are looking at it and opening them again and again and again. Um, and if they don't and they opt out, sub- unsubscribe, even better. I don't want people that are not uh, fully engaged in what we have to say on our mailing list. We have other methods of reaching them. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I, 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 I think that it's, uh, a, it's definitely something to look into. Like Russell Branson calls this the soap Oprah sequence when you, fa- when you start, a, um, a, um, start a relationship. You got to tell your story. You got to tell them what's going on. You got to frame yourself as the guy that is actually going to help with whatever solution you created. And that is done through, uh, through a discussion or through like uh, some text and not just like a few lines, in my opinion. Right. We're going to go for our break, folks. We'll be back in a few moments. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WP Tonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WP Tonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white-label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. Coming back, we had a fascinating conversation about email. My email all wrong by what they're saying, but... I believe that as long as you give value to the right audience, you'll be okay. Um, I also want to talk about one of our other sponsors. I want to talk about WP Feedback. And now, if you've been in that terrible, and we've all been there, that lack of communication between a client and yourself, their Venus, your Mars, something's going wrong. You're getting loads of Word documents that you don't want. You're getting messages from Facebook. You get messages. From here, there, Twitter, everywhere. But it's not working. I have a solution, and it's WP Feedback. It provides an easy way for your clients to give feedback about their website project. And that if that doesn't sound attractive, I don't know what would be. So go over to WP Feedback, have a look at their packages. I suggest that you buy one. And also remember to tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic website. And as a listener and viewer, you get a fantastic discount. If you use the coupon code WP Tonic Rocks, I repeat that WP Tonic Rocks, you get 25% off any of the packages. The fantastic offer. Now, on to the next um, story. The next story latest digital. Commas, tra- oh, what should I should I skip this one panel and go on to the next <laughs> one? Or um, it was a little bit. You can so, talk what, about MRR. All right, shall I do it then? Um, then latest digital common trends and statistics. What did you think of this one, Adrian? Uh, so the, the 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 there's a lot of stuff in here that's kind of like givens, like live chat storytelling strategies. I think I think the one. Yeah, that, I mean some some of these things have been trends for yeah. a lot longer than now. It's like, yeah, really, you you just needed to like fill out your list. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, so multiple payment options. Like some of these are pretty givens, uh, but it does say subscriptions on this list, and I want to talk about that a little yeah. bit. Uh, so <laughs> in like the last couple years, MRR. 
monthly recurring revenue is kind of like the big differentiator between companies that grow quickly and companies that grow slowly. Uh, there's a lot to be said for for being able to grow sustainable recurring revenue every single month and being able to look at those metrics and know exactly how much revenue you can expect and then and then some for your next month so you it makes forecasting uh hr expenses and a whole lot of other stuff extremely easy uh so if you're running a business right now and you're not you don't have any sort of subscription revenue model yet uh, I would invest time in trying to figure out what method or what product or what service you'd be able to provide that you'd be able to charge monthly for and start growing that sustainable monthly recurring revenue. Because again, it just makes a lot of things so much easier in your business. You can look at that number and you can use that to calculate, well, how much can I afford to spend this month if I know I'm making that next month? Uh, how much, or How many more personnel can I afford to hire based on uh, our growth rate and the revenue that we can expect next month if churn remains at like a solid like lesser than 5%. There's just lots to be said for how great it is. Uh, most e If you're like an e-commerce business and you're running some sort of e-commerce model, uh, refilling subscriptions, you see that happening on Amazon now. You can like have a monthly recurring subscription for like paper towels and then an infinite supply of paper towels just show up at your door at the same time every month. And stuff like that is not necessarily that difficult to set up. And it's just a really, really great way to, to expand beyond revenue. And it avoids you having to continuously use email marketing to continue the conversation and 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 constantly uh, be in that person's inbox if it's kind of just like set up to bill automatically. Uh, there's less touch points that you have to put in as a business in order to get someone to keep spending money if you have that subscri- subscription set up. Oh, that's fantastic. What about Sally? What do you reckon? Well, I, I mean, Adrian is right about this. I mean, Everybody has been moving to subscription models, uh, you know, over the past few years that it's like, you know, I just got my notice from Microsoft that my subscription to Office will, you know, renew in a month and and, and that kind of thing. And and with a lot of the software companies, um, I think they did it, you know, not not simply because you couldn't count on everybody upgrading every year, but that it helped uh, with the uh, pirating issue. Um, and uh, that for, uh, you know, some people it's easier to pay, you know, X amount monthly or, or, or annually than to lay out, you know, this big chunk of, of change all at once for a particular uh, product. And if you have something that is a consumable, like, you know, razor blades or paper towels or where, where, you know, absolutely people are guaranteed to, uh, you know, run out after a period of time and, and need more. Or if you have something where you're offering ongoing support, like a software product, that that's quite logical. I have seen people attempt to do subscription things for stuff where people really don't need, um, you know, more and new stuff every month. And they've just bombed. So you do have to, you know, you you have to think about what you're offering and how reason how how it has to make sense to your customer as well as to you because your customer isn't going to do it just because like it's useful for you to have the money uh, every month. You you know, it has to make sense to them. 
I agree with Sally. It needs to be like a, just a repeatable solution that you got to use again and again and again, either as a software or as a, as a physical product. Um, yeah, but that's the kind of holy grail for all of us. That's what we're all building. Calling all WordPress plugin companies. No more one-time payments. <laughs> or, yeah, or, almost exactly. all of them do subscription now. I mean, a, a, an awful lot of them that did, uh, uh, you know, they realized they couldn't sustain it. Uh, in, in terms of the, the one-time support. payments for software is an unsustainable business model. True, and uh, we uh, no, uh, custom post types move to yearly billing. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that, Adrian. I really, I really think, I think the key to your argument, I think, in one of your posts um, that you outlined it quite succinctly is that it really depends on the amount of support that you have to offer. Um, Not necessarily about the support, but it's like if there is a um, a, a continuous development and making sure that, you know, you you need to continue build this thing out as the the ecosystem changes around it, you know, environment changes around it, new browsers, new WordPress, new uh, uh, plugin conflicts, new new whatever, you know, like uh, who knows what will be in a year from now. The, the the difference in the economics between one-time payments and, for example, yearly or monthly billing in terms of a software company, especially within the WordPress community, is that if you're doing one-time payments and you're experiencing a 30% growth month over month, your revenue per month stays exactly the same. Hmm. So even if when you started out and you got like 100 new customers, if you get 100, if you, even if it's 200%, if you get 200 customers the next month, 300 customers the next month, your revenue monthly does not increase. And that means you have exactly the same amount of expected revenue the next year and the next year and the next year. And it's basically we're like working a, a salary job at that point. There's no growth there. Uh, you'd have to have an exponentially large growth rate in order to see an increase of revenue year over year. Um, but that when you're supporting that level of growth without the level of revenue growth, so the level of user growth without the level of revenue growth, the amount of support that you'll have to put in, especially if you're doing like one year of support and updates or lifetime updates or however you decide to plan it out, the tax on you as the, as the business owner or the developer personally uh, becomes a lot to bear very, very, very quickly, especially if it's, if you get a whole bunch of users all at once. So that's like, that's the big difference is like, it's basically like the difference between working a salary and working a actual growing, healthy business that's able to employ people and support people for an extended period of time. Because what happens when the growth rate, you know, starts to become less Right, and you have ten thousand people on this product, but no new customers are coming in. Maybe because there's a different kind of product, and you're basically supporting mm-hmm. a legacy. You now have no money coming in for that product if there's no new customers. Meaning that you are essentially at that point working for free, and nobody likes to work for free. Not true. What do you reckon, Spencer? Of this article, um, I would just, just kind of like touch a little bit about uh, like not only from the product, uh, from the software side, plugins and themes, but for freelancers and agencies, this is a this is a step that I myself tried to avoid for a couple of years before I just gave in. Uh, I, I just didn't want to do maintenance. I just wanted to build websites and get get 
get done with it, you know? So I would just jump between one project to another. Being a freelancer, I could do it. It didn't stop our my old customers to reach back to me when something broke, even if they were not paying. So that's after a couple of years and you kind of see how this is kind of going and to the point where I wanted to scale, bringing salaries, get a little more uh, sustainability in the company, like Adrian is saying, that's when we launched care plans for the, for the agency. Um, every project was basically the first, like a, a, a bit of a large sum. And then the customer goes into ongoing recurring revenue. Uh, that is just the only way to do it, in my opinion, right now. Like I, I, w- I don't know how I managed to get uh, to do all of this kind of stuff for free for two years. I probably lost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars by not implementing this uh, early on in my career. So, well, yes. If you're if, if you're not going to charge for it, you should just tell them to to like go to Jonathan and and pay WP Tonic to do all the maintenance. <laughs> now I'm an urgent sponsor <laughs> for that, listeners and viewers. Thank you so much, Stanley. <laughs> uh, I was That's to, I was I wasn't out of this. I was like uh, you like you know you start off building websites. You don't really think long term in terms of uh, security, in terms of uh, 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 you know of the product. You just started off. I just. You know, I, I just started building a site. I finished it. I thought, all right, I finished. Uh, here you go. Here's the logins. Uh, 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 good luck to you. Uh, but then they come back once a plugin collapses after a few months, and then you need to sort it out. Uh, I, I did out of, because uh, I felt kind of, I did some kind of a responsibility. So I did help all of these people for free. That was the mistake, not the help part. Yeah, yes. So needed WP Tonic. There we go. I yes. think I'm going to go on to <laughs> if Spencer doesn't mind. Have you got anything to say, or should I go on to the next story, Spencer? I mean, I just don't like seven, nine, and ten. I don't think those are real. But it doesn't matter if we go on. All right. On to the next story, and uh, I can never pronounce the, this state's name. How do you pronounce it, Sally? Like, Iowa. I, uh, I have a problem with that. Um, Iowa. Democratic Party did the opposite of what it should have done to secure its disastrous app. This is, I just salivate at this story and this disaster. It, it, it's, it has so many elements of technology with the human psyche. You know, an organisation that's called Shadow. Do you... <laughs> <laughs> Do you really want to, you know? Um, uh, yeah, I know, you get to the point, like, right? you cannot make this stuff up. You can't write this stuff up, really. Um, <laughs> Uncle Spencer, what did you think of this? Shall you start us off? Yeah, I mean, so, Sally said it right. It, it's, it's as if, like, uh, Stephen King or Michael, <laughs> the late Michael Crichton was writing a novel. And here's the setup. You got the most important election in the world because of all that's happened before it. You've got something that for literally decades and decades has worked reliably. A bunch of Midwestern old white people that don't know how to use a computer standing around because they had nothing better to do than to actually physically go to a place. And what do you do? You have a company that nobody knows with a secretive name like Black Hawk Technologies create a phone app that you hand to these old middle Midwestern Caucasians, let's just say, who have no basic ideas, anything other than eating fried chicken and drinking milk. And you're saying, use these apps to vote. And they're all so flustered and everything is so broken that they all just go home. So the most important piece of information about our upcoming election is completely destroyed. You're not tightly quiet. They they were using... 
it wasn't it was the um people that had to add all the votes up and then they sent it through our app which obviously this is shat- this is the same thing the point i'm getting at is <laughs> the reason i'm even bringing up like who they are and everything else is because you cannot find a more like back home country set of Caucasian people, which is relevant to this, because they all just sit around like, well, I don't know what to do. I guess we'll just go home now. And that's <laughs> it. And it's really weird because all they had to do was fill out some paper ballots, for God's sake, and hand them to the same person they've been doing for the last 125 years. And that would be that. They would have counted them and it'd be done. Instead, it's like they turned the whole system into the worst case Orwellian what could we do here situation? Yeah, funny enough, <clears throat> in Nevada, um, the, for their great insight, the Nevada Democratic Party uses almost exactly the same system. Uh, um, but let's hope they haven't hired Shadow. To, now, um, what, what did you think of this, uh, Adrian? You know, Shadow um, seems like one of Buddha Tech's um, closest um, advisors he um he's an investor in um this company that produced shadow as well um that, that, it all seems you could write this as a plot and be taken seriously could you the, the I, what i don't understand is why governments don't use like like governments are always like complaining about being in debt and spending huge amounts of monies and waste and all of that stuff and then they go and they hire a company to like build a totally custom from scratch app when there's literally like thousands of different pieces of open source available tools one of which signal is mentioned in this article for them to use and they can put a relatively like cost effective team together to adapt the proven the proven code and the proven product and simply adapt it to fit the requirements and you know not have to worry about the uh, time or like bugs or testing or any of that stuff and then it's so there's like there has to be like some sort of like private interest or whatever into investing the contract to the private people that's how this government problem exists the people who make the decision give the contracts to their friends in return for political support that's all this is going on i'm ridiculous choice you have shadow Oh, we're going to give you the contract because later you're going to kick back to my election re-election campaign. That is how government works. In the I United think States. that's the plot of the of Black Lightning or uh, or the Arrow or something. Yes, <laughs> I mean it, 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 it. is clearly based on. Um, Isn't there like evidence? a conflict of interest? Ah, the name was Hydra, that? right? Is that like, right. Can, ba- can they like not on, get charged? Ba- based on the evidence so far, uh, it is simply too much to expect that any government will do anything that is efficient or logical. (laughs) It's like the WordPress times a billion. It's like they won't do anything logical because none of them have a direct financial thing that benefits the end beneficiaries, which is the citizens. If you were trying to sell this as a product, like if the government ran like a corporation that was like based upon how many sales to the end users, that'd be far different. Instead, the way it works, private contractors and private companies either want to benefit their own shareholders, their own you know equity owners. They make deals with the politicians to give the politicians money if the politicians take the public taxpayer money and pay them for it. And this system has been going on for as long as governments have existed. The difficulty we have is the $50,000 toilet seat will never go away 
as long as that's how the government... But what what intrigues me, um, Spencer, and maybe you can enlighten me on this, is that, um, yeah, people can be um, corrupted, they can have their biases, but you would have thought somebody, somebody from central office of the Democratic Party could have inquired... This local state party, you know, this is this is a rather important election, you know, and it it's going to get a lot of publicity. How are you actually going to count the votes? And we would like to really help you and check over that this is done in a very methodical, you know, clean way because it's going to be examined very carefully by the media. Did nobody? Um, so. I think what we're saying is there's there is no adult supervision in the Democratic Party, really, is there? It, it, it's like you see with both parties when you see those videos released, whether they were intentional or not, about like at a dinner party, and the politician speaks to their close friends about what's really going on. Right? It reveals that human nature exists at the you and me level, all the way up to the top government official level, and human nature is based upon ego and greed and trying to balance out what's their own self-interest against what they've pledged to do on their oath. And in this case, when so many people are involved in a system with, without one clear figurehead or a structure, like WordPress and Automatic, this is what happens because the people making the decisions, there's not one person that says, hey, well, go check on that caucus. There's like 100 people, and all of them have their own self-interest in mind. And so what happened is the time came and the time went, and it's like, oh, shit, somebody forgot to like, turn off the oven before we went on our vacation. Who's going to fix it now? And nobody will take responsibility. And that's, oh, well, it's taxpayer money. Who cares? The end result, though, is that we have a perpetual system of broken government, wasted energy and time, a two-party system in America, even in Britain. And this is kind of like reflective of when you talk about software, you talk about like politics and government. There's a parallel. The parallel I see is that We in America said, you know, by the people, for the people, blah, blah, blah. But once a two-party system embeds itself at the top level, it kind of is like automatic. you got automatic investor interests against all the people that use it. And there's no way for anybody to win when those things are so diametrically opposed. Whatever. The, The bottom line is, though, this is hilarious only because it's so sad and tragic. That's really why it's funny. It's like Yeah, you gotta feel sorry for all the people that wasted in the cold reaches of this state that I can't even pronounce. And I apologize, listeners and viewers. I just struggle pronouncing it. Um, but it's a rather cold place. Even maybe even where Adrian lives is a little bit warmer, I'm not sure. Uh, um no, all right. But um Oh, you've got to feel sorry for all the volunteers that spent uh, a merry uh, evening canvassing in the snow and wetness of this state just to find that they're superiors. But what also, what will probably happen is that nobody will be reprimanded for this shit fest, will they? That's the, nobody will actually be sacked. Well, face. somebody might be reprimanded, but that's, it's not going to change anything. Uh, um, I understand the actual, uh, one of the articles I read about this, that the, um, some of the key developers three months beforehand had, had actually come out of code boot camp and <laughs> was sent to the trenches to go. <laughs> This monstrosity of application that uh, um, I, I think we we've said enough. I think we go on to our uh, recommendations of the week. 
listeners and viewers, my one, if you've got a um, e-commerce or membership site and you're having to send out a lot of email and you're looking for a service um, to handle the email and you shouldn't be using your hosting provider if they offer that kind of functionality and they shouldn't really um you you're gonna need a specialized service to send your email out and um i read i found a reasonably inexpensive company that does this that's reasonably good at it um and that's pobox.com so if you're setting up a membership or WooCommerce for a client or yourself and you're looking for a company to help you send out your email, go over to them. Um, Spencer, have you got anything you would like to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Uh, yeah, I've got a, it's a little esoteric, but anybody who uses Elementor for any reason, there's a problem that exists that is very easily solved. If you're using, um, let's say any kind of posts or post type and you want to show a, a result inside of another layout. For example, like an automotive company wants to show pull up four cars. There's no existing widget that allows you to do that by itself because you can either just call the whole archive or anything. Without getting esoteric, the plugin is called Elementor Custom Skin. And it allows you in a widget to make a loop, like a WordPress query, to pull out certain stuff and then show it elsewhere. So like on an automotive site, if you want, what are my featured cars of the week? You can just assign a category, something to those cars and pull them up and show them as a widget. Super handy. And surprisingly, it's free. So I've been using this all over the place. Uh, it's wordpress.org plugins, ELE-custom-skin. Oh, Mike, it's awesome. It's kind, it's kind of like a tool set for Elementor. It's yeah. like a tool set views. But it's specific in a widget. So it's like I use ACF, but instead of doing a like a repeating field and setting it all that up and putting it in its own block, you could just go right inside of a layout, put a widget in place, and then it says make a loop. And it gives you the ability to make a loop template to nice. call out whatever you want, which is awesome. Anybody who does WordPress stuff knows what I mean, but it's just surprising that's not an Elementor. When I read their, um, their own tech support, they were like, yeah, we don't really want to bother with this, blah, 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 blah. So this guy said, oh, I'll do it. And he just made it and do a plugin. And it's awesome. So. Well, make sure it's in chat, can you? And I'll make sure it's in the show notes, yeah. Spencer. Sally, you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Uh, yes, this is not a, uh, a, it's not a new site, but I only just discovered it. It's called accessible-email.org. Uh, and the idea is that you can um, either point it to a uh, campaign that you've sent or uh, put the HTML of the email in and have it uh, made more accessible. This is a, a it, it's interesting because I saw an article recently about like how to ruin your accessibility in six steps. And one of them was ignoring things that aren't your website. Uh, and uh, I have a client that I'm trying to like train that no, actually it's a really bad idea to just like take a picture of your flyer and paste it in your email instead of having anything in the text. Um, well, that sounds interesting. Make sure it's in chat and I'll make sure it's in the show notes. Um, Adrian, have you got anything you would like to share to the listeners and viewers, Adrian? 
Yeah, um, you should send plain text emails or something close to plain text emails, and you should stop sending big newsletter and very. Don't go at me, listeners and viewers, because I send a highly visualized newsletter. He's having a go go at me. Well, I think I think it might depend on whether you're you're doing this as a newsletter for people who are trying to keep up with the news or as a sales tool. But certainly there have been a lot of studies, not just this, this one that, that uh, Adrian points to, I'm, that, that say the ugly, the ugly email converts at least as well and often better as yeah. the pretty one. I, uh, I, I've linked the HubSpot article. And whenever someone asks me why we don't have in Groundhog the effective uh, email editor to build a, a complete landing page like Elementor to send an email. I referenced that article as to why we don't do that and uh, and the trouble that you can land in if you try and do that. So if you're trying currently to like send landing pages to people's inboxes, non-effective solution. And this article will tell you exactly why that is and how you can send better email that will get better response and engagement and will not cause you to think that email marketing is dead. There you go. Uh, over to Vito. Have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Well, uh, with, you, with your permission, this week is uh, launch week. So oh, the right uh, this week. Uh, so on Monday, we open a platform for the WordPress community. Uh, the idea is a distraction-free environment that helps all of us communicate with each other. We brought in all of the influencers and the experts from our space, and they all have their own kind of little clusters or groups uh, that focus on uh, every topic that you want to learn about. So from uh, Troy Dean in Grow Your Biz to Christina Romero and and, and, uh, revenue buildup as we were, uh, recurring revenue buildup as we were talking about this here, uh, to Dave Ford to Codable, uh, which is essentially the biggest agency in the world, managing the agency world um, and a whole lot of other awesome people that are on there. Uh, we launched uh, on uh, on uh, uh, basically Wednesday morning, so it's just a couple of days. You didn't uh, you all... didn't you didn't hire Shadow to help you do this, did you? Uh, I am Shadow. So we launched uh, on on Wednesday morning, uh, just two days ago. Now we're at 750 people that are already signed up. And this is growing by the hundreds every day. So come on board. There's a huge party in there. Uh, If you're WordPress people, uh, freelancers, agencies, product makers, uh, podcast makers, uh, and um, uh, anyone else that is working in the space, Come on board and uh, check this out. Uh, you can yeah. visit wpfeedback.co. That's great. And Vito came, will be um, doing a special show, which we'll be publishing yes. next week, uh, where he goes into more detail, um, really the ambition of his um, it, of his product and where he wants to take it is breathtaking. And also Uncle Spencer came, and we're doing a special with Uncle Spencer about funnels and how you oh, can nice. set up modern funnels using WordPress, and that will be published next week as well. Panel, you've been excellent as usual. Thank you for your help. Listeners, if you really, listeners and viewers, if you really want to help the show, um, join, go to the WP Tonic website and join our newsletter. It's highly customized with loads of images.
images and um, very it's stylish. Gonna, it's going to load beautifully we're, on your phone. We're gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to load beautifully on your phone because it, it comes from campaign monitor and we made sure that it loads beautifully on your phone, uh, um, depending on what phone. O- over you, your 3G connection? Yeah, well, I can't help you if you've got 3G, can I? You know, you know we're in the area of 5G now. Now, I suggest you go over to Shadow and get their advice, Sally. <laughs> Uh, um, uh, oh, my, my network is usually better than that, but it does depend where you are. Yes, but it's a beautiful newsletter, listeners and viewers. So please subscribe. We're going to be putting all the um, the recommend the best recommendations of the month from the panel inside the newsletter with the best stories um, of the month as well and also some articles that come from the panel if they can be bothered to send them to me or the best articles written by It would, it would require me to actually write them. Exactly. I, I, I've been to your websites. I've been checking your content and some of you have been naughty. Uh, yes, your, yeah, some of us have your, not published for quite a while. Yes, it's been noted, children. It's been noted. Letters are going out. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to end this dribble now, listeners and viewers. We'll be back next week with a great panel show. We'll see you soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 